released on Sunday, May 24th, 2015. This Agile Life, episode 85, The Theater of the Oppressed. The software industry transforms more and more every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones. The question is, are you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life. Hello, everyone. I'm the host of This Agile Life, John Sextro. We have a very special edition of This Agile Life. But before we get into that, I will introduce my co-host, Amos King. Hello. Uh, this is really weird for me. I usually record in front of a computer in a really tiny room and uh, drink a beer or some scotch or something while I'm doing it. So I feel a little awkward, but uh, I'm ready. And sometimes urinate in paper cups. <laughs> Are we telling that story in public? John, John. Okay. John, uh, la- la- oh, last please. year where we are today, I, I did record once from a van sitting outside of a real estate office stealing their Wi-Fi so that I could uh, participate remotely. Yeah, that was epic. That, that was pretty fun. I noticed on the recording afterwards, you could hear the air conditioner in my van the entire time. I tried to get that out of there, <laughs> but I just couldn't. Our other host this evening is Jason Tice. Thank you, John and Amos, and I cannot believe we've already had to start by talking about very, very interesting topics. <laughs> but we're, we're here, we're at Agile Games in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. It is May 2015, and everyone, we should give a round of applause, because guess what? Amos is here this year. You're Woo! not in a van. <laughs> yeah. So... Yes, yeah, so, and, and of course, thank you. This is the second year we've had the privilege, so we want to thank Agile New England for the invitation to come and do a podcast about the conference and really share some things we've learned, share some things going on, and most importantly, give the community a chance to share maybe some of the things you've learned. One of the things we did with the Agile Games program this year is we really wanted to have a community focus. So we would, as we have our hot seat here tonight, we would encourage people to come up and join us share something you've learned, share something that's going on, and really help us grow as a community of facilitators and coaches and really just people that are interested in learning. So um, so we thank everyone for the invitation to come back and um, chat up for a little bit. But What's the name of this building, Jason? This building is called The Nerd. So The New England Research and Development Center. I like acronyms, so it's The Nerd. Right on the doorstep, doorstep of MIT. Yes. That's correct. In, in Cambridge. This is Cambridge, yes. Massachusetts. Yes, and so for Agile, Agile Games, we are very, again, Agile New England graciously su- appreciates the support of Microsoft, which does provide the facility for the conference. And for those, of us, for those of you that might listen to this Agile Life and you're not from the Boston area, if you've never been to an event um, that's up in Boston at the Nerd, it's really awesome. And there's actually lots of events that go on here. Um, I know there was a, I'm going to talk about that all night, but what do you want to talk about, John? Here, here I, tell us what we should, what we should do. I thought we could talk a little bit about this conference that we're at. Okay. The conference opened up this morning with a keynote by Renee Troughton. As many of our This Agile Life listeners will remember, we had Renee on a previous episode of This Agile Life, and she gave us some insights into exactly what she was going to be talking about today. And she started us off with the Puppet Mastery game, the ultimate agility game. I would have to say it was pretty ultimate. Amos and I got to be... Customers. customers, customers, and of a website. What do we call it? Scamazon? I don't know if I can say that on a Why not? podcast, but we, we decided that we were shopping on Scamazon. There's nothing that sounds similar to that. No, not at all. <laughs> 
and all of the good people here attending the conference were trying to sell us puppets. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know if anybody figured out everything, um, but I really liked movie stars. And so I was after puppets that had movie that were made to look like movie stars. I don't know how much of this game we should give away. Yeah, I think that's enough. Well, I'd, I'd love to, you know, I'd we love to stop, see if yeah. anyone, <laughs> if anyone would love to come up and ask some questions. Because what, what was interesting is, um, so uh, John and Amos, you guys were the, you represented the customers in the game, and you guys had some special criteria that everyone else who was on the teams did not know. And so they're kind of the. To be the, fair, we barely knew those. Criteria. Well, but, but but again, you guys had information, <laughs> and we kind of those of us who were building, and I was on a team building puppets. We had to effectively simulate the act of building the puppets and then release the puppet, have set it up to basically you guys to decide if you want to invest in it. And Richard was up there with you too. And I'd love to know if anyone has a question that you would have loved to have asked these guys up front or something that maybe if you had asked them sooner, you might've learned more. That's, I don't know if anyone's out there. or What was it like? It, in, in, until someone comes up okay. to ask a question, maybe you okay. could relate to everyone in the audience, listening audience, what it was like to actually be creating the puppets. Because oh, yes. I, we that didn't was have fun. the experience of understanding what was going on at the tables in the puppet creation So process. let's explain what happened in this game. It started, and our sprint started, and... Um, the first thing that happened, we had a product owner, and um, our product owner on our team was uh, it was a, actually David Grable from Agile New England. And the first Woo! thing we we went to ask him some questions, and you know what? He had vanished. So um, uh, he wasn't co-located with you. No, he um he had to go to a, a special meeting with uh, with some of the other product owners to figure some stuff out. And so right off the bat, we're like, well, what do we do? You know, we had a product backlog and such, and it was kind of interesting. And, and I know I see people here in the audience kind of laughing because we all know that this this happens and. Actually, it brought back memories of um, Agile New England did an event here, and it was, uh, what was it? It was the fall of 2013. It was the, uh, the Deep Agile event where um, Jeff Morgan from Lean, he was with Lean Dog at the time, he came and he did a whole simulation of when product owners like go away. But so we were getting, so we started building, but um, actually, I think in our group, it was Llewellyn Falco's suggestion that we should, because um, we had to fold paper and make these puppets. We, um, we kind of did a mob approach. And it was something I think that, I don't know if any other groups did it, where we kind of went around the table trying to figure it out. And we got to about the seventh step and we kind of got stuck. And we, we really struggled to produce a product. So um, it was interesting. And we kind of then lost our focus trying to focus on getting one product done. And next thing you know, we've got four half-built products. And meanwhile, have we sent a product up to be evaluated by you guys? No. So and oops, the sprint's over. It wasn't for evaluation, though. Well, we it was to buy. to buy. You guys were going to buy it. Yeah. Your product so, owner was supposed to. And it was my understanding that David never came back. He disappeared. No, no, David. David came back. He did come back. David okay. did come back, <laughs> and he he gave us some feedback, which we wrote down because because we were trying to be transparent. But then our our challenge in our group was, you know, we kind of had like a few half built ones, and uh, we we actually early on we invested in continuous integration, but then we didn't actually release anything for for you to invest in. So we had kind of a whole, it was, was interesting, and it was a great way, um, and I think this simulation that Renee put together, it did a great job of demonstrating all the things you have to think about to get a team started, especially you know, there, if the product owner's not available to provide guidance, how that can be really challenging. Well, so you paid yeah. for continuous integration, but we didn't but get you any didn't benefit. get any no. value from but it. You, you didn't produce a product the first for Sprint, so you were unable to get customer feedback also. Yeah. So you lost a little bit of that feedback. 
really hindered you moving forward. Oh, yeah. The next oh, yeah. Sprints. Yeah, it was interesting. Oh, look, look, someone's sneaking up here, I think. I'm Nancy V. And I can tell you something about the paper folding. In, okay. In our team, Llewellyn told me about how you were trying to do it mobbing style. Um, in our team, I had trouble with folding the paper because it was so complicated. And I don't have an origami background or certifications of any kind. So uh, somewhere between step eight and nine or ten, I couldn't figure out how to get to the next step. So for a while, I was stuck. But then there was another guy in our team who knew how to do that next step. He showed it to me, but it still didn't make any sense. So I just folded some more ones up to about step eight and gave them to somebody else. I think that's kind <laughs> of that what works. We, well, that's kind of what we did, I think. But we kind of got because we, it's like we kind of got from step eight to done. And we don't really know what happened, but it just, it did happen. How could it have gone better? Gee, there's a million answers to that. <laughs> I've been hearing from different people what they did. Um, some of them made kind of like a organized, you know, sequence of how they were going to do it. And, you know, people had specialization. Um, in our group, we were trying to just build whole things individually. And we could for some. Uh, one person was making those little stars and was very good at it. Um, I tried to make a cheaper version of the star. We didn't have scissors because you have to buy them. And so I thought, wonder if I can get away with just tearing out a piece of paper in a rough star shape and coloring it. I the saw proper that. proper color. That didn't work. No, it did. They bought no, it. He did. They bought he it. Oh, starfish. I didn't buy it. No, well, that was our first earnings for <laughs> Notice so. the customers don't agree on what they want, right? <laughs> Real life. Sometimes you got to do the simplest thing that could possibly work. I appreciate see that. See if you can get away with it. So uh, I'm curious, anybody that had teams that uh, did specializations where maybe you were making one or two folds and then passing the paper on, did you have anybody that had to get up and leave in the middle of it? Well, we had a weird one with the mob scenario because what kind of happened with the mob is it always started in the same place. And so people actually had some individual specialization and then and then we but we kind of got to where we like people were busy and so the the cadence got out of sync and it's like oh what do i do now because i have to learn a new job so that was great for mobbing to promote learning but it's just something to be mindful of if you're always doing the same step over and over again and again think about that from a, a delivery team or a development team you know if you're the person that always works in a, a, a particular portion of the code base so that can be very dangerous to sustaining the whole team approach. So I thought that was great. And it was kind of neat to see that, at least for the pattern that we have with this mob, that, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're mobbing, you want to make sure you're doing things so you're changing the driver and you're, everyone's involved so everyone's learning. And it doesn't just promote an assembly line model, which is kind of what ours was evolving to, which, which obviously our, our, team, our team did not win. I, mean, I will share. So um, uh, I don't even really know how we did. Um, I, I don't. The, the winning team did very well. So The rumor uh, out in the conference hallway, you know, there's always a rumor mill in the conference hallway, was that you guys were distracted by Llewellyn's green hair. <laughs> really? <laughs> Why don't we move on uh, yeah. past Renee's keynote and talk about the second session of the day, and there were actually three. Amos, what did you go to? Uh, I actually went to the same one as you. I know. Yeah, That's why well. I asked you. Because you didn't want to answer. Well, I you knew you where I talk. went. Why'd you ask? I wanted to let you have a chance All to right, talk. All right. So uh, we went and saw Wade Stallman's talk uh, on improv. I don't remember what it's called. Uh, warming up your meeting. Warm up your meetings with improv. Uh, it, it was really interesting and a lot of fun. How uh, many other people went to Wade Stallman's thing? Woo! 
clap. For, you gotta, for woo, on radio, you have people. to clap. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Good job. <laughs> I was going to say for all the people that aren't here. So, um, it's a low-budget podcast. We have no applause track. We've got to make our own. <laughs> I, I really I enjoyed the session a lot. It was a lot of fun. We got to get up and move around, which was really exciting. Uh, I like to move around, especially when I had a late night last night. Uh, and a lot of alcohol. Not that much. That's I had to make up for because I knew I wasn't going to have any right here today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I like that Wade talked about playing improv games at the start of your day, like right at the beginning of your stand-up. Just take three minutes and play an improv game. And I I thought it was really good because three minutes is something that's really tiny to ask a group of people to do and you can usually get over any impediments of oh i don't really want to do that because it's such a short period of time and there were a lot of ways that i felt like i built a little bit of a connection with even the people that were on uh, my improv team for for that uh session that was pretty exciting i agree i thought that was really great and i frankly thought i was going to hate the session I, I didn't think I'd be able to find any applicability of it to what I did. Why, John? I'm curious. Why? I, I couldn't imagine how improv had anything at all to do with software. And it doesn't. But it has everything in the world to do with trust, communication, collaboration, and what was the fourth one? I forget. Uh-oh. It started with a C. We have someone uh, yeah. coming to the hot seat to bail us out. Meryl. Hi. Meryl Lamont. Scrum Master, Agile Coach uh, with Zipcar. Creativity is number four. There you go. Way to go, Merrill. Good job. Thank you. What did you think of my notes? What did you think of the uh, session with improv? I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, One of the things that I took out of it was uh, the fact that you're really investing in somebody becoming a great team player versus trying to build great teams because teams don't always stick around forever. and so this way you can kind of spread how good teams can form if you uh, make everybody a good team player. Awesome. I think it's uh, really important. I, I do this with my kids too, uh, is the yes and game yes. that we played. And really all improv is yes and, or uh, I've also heard agree and add. And that's what I, I tell my kids that all the time when they're playing pretend. I'm like, no, you guys have to agree and add. And, and so I try to bring that to the teams too. Famous question on that. Um, do your kids turn that around on you? Like, are, do they get really creativity? And yes, and I want another cookie. Uh, or yes, and I do deserve another piece of cake. Oh, no, it only applies to pretend games. Oh. <laughs> he just tells his kids that they violated their whip limit. And he sends them to bed. You've, you've had enough cookies bedtime. That's what Amos, Amos says. That's not relevant. I mean, we were walking over the bridge here yesterday. You were telling us, telling us about that. Like, your kids kind of... Will test the rules of oh, the loopholes. Yes, yeah, they will find the loopholes. Yeah, team members do that too, uh, especially developers. I find we like to test the loopholes. So you're saying team members are just like kids? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it was uh, Adam Weisbart in his session this afternoon that said we were all uh, like kindergartners and kids. Hey, Amen. We, we were working with crayons and paint and glue. But uh, don't get any of the crayons, paint, or glue near any of the walls in here because then they come and get you and lock you up. <laughs> First thing they mentioned mm. when everyone sat down. And the second, and the third, and the 29th. <laughs> I kept count. <laughs> you can tell. Okay. Um, 
Hey, so one thing I just want to mention about Wade's session, um, and actually, so two things I think that are really cool about Wade's um, that, I, that I'm pretty sure he shared. If not, I was when we when we talked to Wade about his presentation. Number one, he's actually he's from a, he's from a large organization, um, and so um, I'm sure if you connect with him, he'll he'll tell you who it is. Telco. But, what? Yeah, a large telco, but they um they're doing this in a corporate. So this is a you know real environment that's actually doing this improv technique, and um, the games only take three minutes, and many of them he's actually done over the phone for distributed teams. So the idea of you know using this as a way to build a better team, and you know yeah if you can set up a face to face connection, but again some of the stuff I mean it's just really cool how he's adapted it to really enable teams to be successful. Well, and, and we can give a little example of of one of those games would be good that, sure. uh, that you can do remotely. I work remote a lot because uh, I live in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and one of the things that you can do is there's a, an alphabet sentence game or story game where um, you make a sentence that starts with like the first letter of the alphabet, and then the next person on the team does a sentence that's supposed to add to that first one that starts with the next letter of the alphabet. So uh, apples are really good, but I like bananas more. Can we buy oranges instead? Like something like that, and you just go around and go through the whole alphabet. You probably go through the whole alphabet after you've practiced it once, maybe twice in three minutes, and that's a really good thing that you can do remotely. That was a good session, so uh, we'll wrap that one up. And I'll mention that Wade has a website, and we'll—I don't remember the—I can't give it out over the podcast, but we'll put the links to it in the show note. He's show notes. He's got all of his games. He's got sixty games that you can do over remote. the phone yeah. remotely. And a bunch more to go along with all of those. And Jason, what did you do in the second block of the conference? I went to play with Lego. Of course. Should have come as a surprise with Ellen and Mike, which was really awesome. Because... You mean the Ellen, one and only Ellen Grove and Mike Bowler. Yes, that's correct. So, And they did a session, which I want to thank them for, because they... um. We actually did a uh, we did a submission process for Agile Games 2015, and Ellen submitted some great ideas. And when we did our our selection, we two of them got the same number of votes. And so we actually asked Ellen if she would combine them, um, or asked Ellen and Mike if they would combine them into a joint session to talk about using Lego Serious Play to help teams write working agreements and also to um, how to handle conflict. And so they they did a great session in, in 90 minutes on both of those topics. And what I really liked was just, you know, the, the ability to use the Lego to give people a prompt to think about related to how your team works together, give them the short period of time, three to four minutes to build something, and then really to have those nice little conversations that the Lego sets up about how does the team want to work together. And I know in the group that I was in, we, we had actually kind of formed this way we were working with this round robin. And so we were like, you know, I built this little working agreement with a propeller, and it kind of was demonstrating how we... You know, rather than, you know, deciding how we were going to do things, we had kind of established a pattern that was, it just made it easy to work together. And so we could effectively built a little, we represented that with a Lego and it was, I mean, it was an awesome technique. So something that uh, I'm definitely going to use with teams that I support because it, it was fun, it was engaging, and it got us to actionable results very quickly. And it's Lego. So what could be wrong with that? This is where I wish I could have been in two sessions at once because I really wanted to go to that Lego session. Well, so the great uh, thing is, Open space is tomorrow, and I know I heard the Legos coming back. Um, Legos the Legos still be here. I'm bringing I'm bringing more Lego to do some other Lego stuff. People want to go crazy tomorrow, so I, which is back in the hotel still. That huge bag I brought. Um, so yeah, I so was wondering gonna, what was in there. Yeah, big bag. This is really sad for me. I I coach a Lego robotics team, 
And so I play with Legos all the time, but I have never used Legos in in coaching or <sighs> in development. You don't know what you're missing, anything. Amos. I know what I'm saying. So I have like I have like five thousand dollars worth of Legos that sit in my office every day for this robotics team, which is like Anybody's ever bought Legos? It's like twelve Legos, um, <laughs> twelve bricks, <laughs> twelve bricks. That's right. Right. So eBay, eBay. I should. I have to have Lego brand Lego for the for the thing that I coach. It's a requirement. But um, you can just three D print them. I know. I'm telling you, they have to be branded, or my team gets disqualified. I see. So that's that's no fun. Part of the so Lego I machine. would really like to get more into some of those those Lego things. But yeah, so it was it was great and again um, we'll we'll make sure we put we're actually gonna put the session materials for the conference out on the Agile New England website. And so, you know, they had great references to the seriousplay.com site from Lego where they talk about the facilitation techniques and um, also had some great prompts that we'll put out there as well. So definitely um uh, who had fun in that session who's here? Anyone else have fun? Yeah, so someone had some fun. Now that wasn't as loud. I that wasn't a Wade, Wade obviously had some more fun. But. Well, we were up here screaming, so he's really? from St. Louis, so we had to back him up. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> um, but anyways, it was it was great. So again, thank you to Ellen and Mike. It was awesome. I, I'm really a big proponent of Lego Serious Play nowadays, and I love the different aspects that you can bring out with Lego Serious Play. Talking about constraints, talking about prototyping, flow, continuous delivery. I think it's uh, the you know the sky's the limit kind of on what you can simulate with. Uh, Lego, and I know you even you've even Jason done a test driven. Yeah, I, I've done before. I've done the test driven. That's a lot of people are doing that these days. Every every time I've I've been involved with a few other conferences, and we when we when we look at the program, it's like oh another TD. So there's a lot of people out there. So if it, it, maybe we'll do a, at the open space, we'll do just kind of a. I know we might have some hands on Lego, but just kind of maybe make a big list of a bunch of us who are interested to get together, and here's a list of all the things we know people are doing with Lego, and maybe try to. You know, connect people if they're interested in learning more about how to use the medium. So, because there's a lot of creative things going is there, on. Is there a, a book or anything that you know of? About I don't Serious Play? Let's well, write one. Well, this so Serious Play. Maybe we should make a list tomorrow and then just make no, a so, oh, look, book. Look, look oh, we've we intrigued. See, well, I'm coming to the hot seat. Okay, I'm Mike Bowler. Um, I am a certified Lego Serious Play facilitator. Uh, I also use Lego to teach technical concepts, TDD technical debt, refactoring, all kinds of stuff. I've written up a whole ton of exercises, Lego exercises on my website, gargoylesoftware.com. So if you want to try and facilitate the stuff yourself, the instructions are all there. Uh, feel free to use it. But to your point, it was, is there a book on serious play? There is already one out there. There is another one in the works. Um, and there is a bunch of information out on the serious play website, which is seriousplay.com. All right, uh, Amos, what session did you go to in the uh, third block of the day there? Wait. No, wait a second. We're still on this block. We no, we're we moving missed, on. No, we're, we missed one. We're moving. Should, we, yeah, should well, we see if anybody went to that? I would love them, to know what that because I would like to know about a spoonful of sugar. I would love to know. I'd love to know. Mary was Mary Poppins here? No. Oh, oh so oh, we have a volunteer. We Hello. We don't have any prizes. Though. I'm, I'm Marty McCall. I, I was I was a spoonful of sugar. Um, it was a really good session. It was mostly about how to make your own games, focused games on something you're going to do to establish specific tasks. And it was very much about um, what, what, what are the ways to actually figure out a good way to make a game that's going to be successful inside your own companies rather than just taking games from other places when you need one specifically and how to demystify the making of, of them yourself. That's really what the session was about. So did you, did you make a game by chance? 
Um, I didn't make a game in it, even though we did go through questions to actually um, about what, what are the criteria for the game? What are the different types of things? So we did sort of spend a little time towards the end discussing. And actually, we did go through it with, with another person, team by team, cool. um, and discussed like what game we would make, why we would make it, what are the objectives, what are all the different pieces for it. And, and so it was, it was definitely an interesting session to get you thinking about how you would build a game and, and do it and why. And what are the benefits? So, so if somebody came up to you after going to that session and said, so what do I need to do as a first step to, to building a game? What would you suggest to them? Well, you start off with an overall objective for the game. Who are you trying to reach? Why? Then you try to focus on a specific deliverable that you want to build. And then I don't forget, remember all the specific tech, but, but it was um, a, you want to build, you want to understand the framework for what you're going to build. And, and the overall benefits for it. So, so there are about five different steps he recommends. He didn't say they're the only ones you ever do. And from those, those five steps, you can actually um, come up with something that gets you closer to a game and an idea of it. And then from there, you can then work on it and try, try to do it. And I know one of the things that Matthew talked about the, um, was this idea of keeping the games really short. You know, because a lot of times... You know, sometimes, again, if you're doing like a training workshop, awesome. You can do, you can go play like a full-blown simulation and have two hours. But many times that's not, that's might not, that might be really challenging to implement in your organization. So I think it's great because I know he was talking about quick games. Uh, the Lego techniques we did were really short. Um, the improv games that John and Amos already talked about, they were really short. You know, so this idea of you don't need a lot of time to play a game that will provide value. Really important. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of what he's saying is the way to keep it short is by limiting that scope to what you really want to get done in the game, knowing that ahead of time. So then you can make it short. If you pick something that's much broader, a broader topic, even if you're broader overlay for, for other reasons why, um, then it gets kind of muddled. And that's why you, that's also why you want to keep it short um, because you want someone to take something home with them. Yeah, I think it's something having having built a few games myself. It's it's almost I think about like design principles, like 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 solid, you know, like keeping things very like the single responsibility principle from like writing clean code. Like your game should do really one thing, and that will keep it short, quick, and easy to facilitate and learn from. Great, and that was a spoonful of sugar with Matthew Cornillon. See, and now we can move into what but I did after say, lunch. Okay, because, because then we just lunch, talked we about a great lunch. He talked about a short game. And and then I went to I think probably one of the longest uh, um, games that I've ever seen teams play, which is Get Kanban uh, with Cheryl Hammond, and uh, she did a fantastic job. The game normally takes like about three hours. Is that what you said, Cheryl? I had watched teams play it before, but I'd never actually played it myself. Uh, so it was it was really nice to be able to sit down and. and play that and learn some of the changes that that Cheryl had made to the game. Uh, I know that I don't know if both of you have played it. I know that at least one of you has played it before. I've played it and facilitated it as well. Nice. How about you? Oh, you don't. So to answer your question, though, having done a fair amount of training with that game, I'm, I think I met about like over a thousand people now that I've had the privilege to facilitate through that experience. So it, it's an awesome game. If, if you haven't ever had the chance to either play or facilitate Get Kanban, any version of it goes through two up to now version four. And of course, for those that are into that, uh, Demonica DeGrandis has a, a very similar game called the DevOps game, which is a very much, it's a little bit more of a kind of a service deck or an operations workflow, but it's the same concept. So definitely check it out. I, I, I would like on the shorter game, it would be really cool if somebody had some kind of hack for 
get Kanban to make it last like a half hour because it's a lot easier for us to convince uh, management that a whole team should take some time to play it. Well, you um, should mod it. Well, no, I, I, oh. should, I should take what Cheryl has done and say, hey, how can I how can I slim that down? You can collaborate um, with Cheryl one, and you guys can mod it. Some of the things it. that, that uh, Cheryl had done, one of the things that I really liked was that the uh, if anybody's played the game, you're producing a, a website, a mobile mobile app, and you have subscribers, and each story has a, a value of the number of subscribers. And she said, take your cycle time and subtract that from the number of su subscribers, and that's actually what you get. So if it takes you too long, you can actually have negative subscribers because of people leaving your product to go to another one that's maybe moving a little faster or has the features they want. And I, I thought that was a fantastic real-world thing to get added back into there. That's awesome. Jason, what session did you go to in that block? So I went to experience the um, the theater of the oppressed. Before we talk about the theater of the oppressed, because that sounds oppressive. If anybody went to the game within the game and Sudoku Ban and Eurotrip 2015, we'll need some help explaining. Yeah, what oh, so those come on up. You're saying yeah, you're trying up. to you're trying to cadence us. You know, I'm trying to create a queue. Oh, okay, a queue. Okay, maybe we should like. What can we do to incentivize people to come up here? You gotta, you gotta. I learned from Cheryl today. You gotta shrink your queue. Make it as tiny as you can. You can have, and you're trying to make it bigger. What are you doing? Sorry, I'm anti-agile. Don't you know? I, I've heard that. About okay, you. okay. So, <laughs> so the theater of the oppressed was. It was awesome. Um, having there was a lot of noise coming from the theater of the oppressed. Well, so so that was a that was a two part deep dive. So I only went to the first part because I, I went to something else after that. And I really want to know what happened in the second part, because that was when it got crazy in there. So someone, somebody, and now we've got laughter. So, so oh, boy, you're going to come up here in a bit and tell us the story. Oh, you're going to, okay, ooh, come oh, on up and tell us about come it. On. Come like, on. Oh, just we like us. pairing. Yeah. Pairing is good. You here, look, here's another here. one. They, you've got two of them. Pair. Does this one? Yeah, it works. Look, we've got two of them. So tell us. I, I, everyone here, I don't, I don't need to talk anymore. We're gonna, we've empowered people to share what they know. Please tell us who you are. We can leave. Yeah, let's go. So... I'm Eric, and this is Jay, and we're both from Zipcar, although I, you could probably announce yourself. <laughs> I'm Jay. I'm from Zipcar. I'm also a sysadmin, so I'm a little out of place here. <laughs> oh, welcome. So we're, we're the, the non-Scrum Master portion of the show, <laughs> but uh, that particular episode, somebody actually came in afterwards and said, you're a little bit loud, but what was going on is the game was... There is a bear, and the bear has to do whatever they can do to get the the person to react, so that they're you yeah, can prove that they're alive. People are playing dead on the ground, and then it starts out with one bear, and they have to try and like wake everybody up or, or, or prove that they're they're alive, so they can do something. And people got very into being bears. Specifically, bears. I would have mauled your face, John. <laughs> I'm thankful I didn't go to that with you. And and the sounds that we heard at the roar, like we're like, Rawr! and I was like, oh my goodness. There, like, yeah. there was an instant where all all of the bears at once decided it was time to roar. Yeah. But. <laughs> What does this any of this have to do with Angela? That's exactly what I wanted to ask. Thank you, John. <laughs> the what it was structured was that each individual game got more and more to using your body and also into using trust to the last game was people being blindfolded and running straight into 
a goalkeeper and basically a human safety net. And basically it's this, this whole trust thing. And the place where it gets back to agile is in many cases, we don't, we don't think about ourselves in the body and it goes back to no resources. We don't think of ourselves in the person. We live way too up in our heads as developers. And this was a lot of reconnect, not only reconnecting with our bodies, but there's the theater of the oppressed also has a lot of um, political implications, but at least within the agile implications, the whole bit of how much we are, you know, with each other and, and think of each other as human beings rather than just, you know, the yeah, like part of a machine, and and what I what I loved about the session, and, and again, I was I was torn um, with what to do for the second half. Was it was all physical performance? So all of the games, like like we did a game that was really funny. That I got to tell a John and Amos joke because John, like I don't know, it's your left shoulder, right? Yeah. So we're walking around. We're don't walking. Around, we're walking around Boston yesterday, and I don't know what I don't know what these guys were doing. I was walking around looking at stuff, but like every time I turn around, John's like telling Amos. Don't touch me, because he's got like a shoulder issue. So we played this game where you like there was a person who was the driver, and the other person was the car, and the car had to close their eyes and walk around. And the way the car, where the car needed goes, you had to like tap on their shoulders. And I'm just like, oh, this would have been awesome yesterday. But <laughs> but what's, what I love is again, it's a way that number one, if you're in IT and you spend most of your time working in a cubicle or in a team area or a desk or at a workstation, it gets you up, it gets you moving around real quick, which does a whole lot of psychological and kinesthetic things for your body, which will make you work better. So I thought that was really awesome. And and the other one that I love was that they we did this sim, this um activity in there where we had um it was a um it was the hypnosis game, right? Yeah, and and so what they did is there was a person in the middle who then was like hypnotizing a person on their left and their right, and then those two people were hypnotized. So it effectively what it looked like, it looked like a labyrinth or kind of like an org an org chart. And what was interesting, as the person in the middle moved very slowly, the people on the outside had to move, you know, they they had to move faster. And so if the person in the in the center moved too quickly, it would almost get out of control at the sides. And if you've ever, um, I've done reading and done a lot of work on like change inertia or how fast your organization can change. It was an awesome visualization that you could use like with a large group to just demonstrate how we need to work together and really promote organization in small groups versus in a huge organization where it's hard to keep everything working together. So it was really, it was just great. It was, it was fun. So. And that, that was with Ellie Fried, Friedland and Christina Mar Marin. That's correct. And then they're from academia. So they're using these techniques in um, academia to demonstrate problems. They're working with corporates, you know, on the business side to use them. And again, they were here at Agile Games to show how really in the IT or the IT business piece, these, all of these topics make a lot of sense. So that was, that was neat. I just, Trust came up a lot in, in the sessions. It always does. And, and I think that it's very validating for us because I think like our first 56 episodes or something were all about trust. So that's fantastic. Every every time we bring up a topic, we usually end up on trust at well, some point. Well, but I think that's... that's Meryl, what... Meryl hasn't gotten past the episodes yet where we've, where we've talked about something ha new. Haven't just been beat <laughs> up over trust. But I think that's a fundamental element of gameplay. Is, or put way, it's an element that if you have a game, it comes out very quickly, is trust. So again, like, we're, Amos, you and I are going to do a little fun game, and we're going to close my eyes, and you're going to guide me around the room. You better trust me, you know? And what's interesting... Uh, but you're the one with your eyes closed. Well, well no, because then <laughs> we're going to be... trust you? Then we're going to change roles, or... Oh. It, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, it's funny. I've if you haven't inter- blindfolding people is very insightful. Both both the both the experience of what can happens we, when we, you are blindfolded. Can we keep this PG, Tice? And oh yeah, there's that. Okay, now we won't go there. All right, okay. Let's go, well, let's go on. on. What else we got here? We got a Renee Troughton. She must have been worn out because not only did she fly like twenty hours, but then she did two sessions today. So she did another one on Sudoku Ban and Euro Trip 2015. Did anybody go to that session that wants to? Share with us. Oh, Mike wants to come back. Mike, come back up. Mike, come on back up. You don't have Mike, to put your shoes Mike, on. Mike, it is like Woo. it's like this is the watch out for right. Lego. All right, I I really enjoyed the session she did. Um, I like the Sudoku Bond better than the Get Kanban game. Yeah. Um, I, I I played the Get Kanban and I enjoyed it, but I I actually liked the Sudoku Bond better because we were solving a real problem that got everybody on the team focused on solving problems, which is what we do day to day. And so we sort of forgot a little bit about the process, and we ended up having better conversations about the process as a result than we would have with the Get Kanban game, in my opinion. So it was a really neat approach, and we truly had some people who were very good at Sudoku, and we had some people who had never seen it before, and we had a bunch of people in between. So it was a really, really good simulation, in my mind, for dealing with all that. I think was what I like about about the Sudoku Bond is it's it actually really demonstrates the act of building something, mm-hmm. you know. And so it really is a great example, like you're saying, when you've got a Sudoku Pro on your team, and then again, if anyone's ever played Sudoku with me, I'm not very good. So it's like kind of like kind of like me as a coder, right, Amos? And um, you know, so it, but the team's being judged on their output, so it's a great real life simulation of that, which I think is really great for especially like for a dev team. Get Kanban, to its credit, it really is a great game to demonstrate the the mechanics of a Kanban system. So if you really want to focus on that, it still is a great game. But what I loved about what Renee did is she layered those two things, both the fundamentals of a Kanban system, but then also doing real knowledge work or complex knowledge work on top of it. So it's... Which does change the whole nature of the simulation. Totally, totally. I like that. Totally. Well, it also makes it, you know, kind of going back to what we talked about with Spoonful of Sugar, it does add those two concepts into it. So the fundamentals of a Kanban system, as well as doing complex knowledge work within that system where lots of things can change, trying to work as a cross-functional team versus simply working on the mechanics of a Kanban system and simulating work by rolling dice. So it's, they're, they're both great. So, but. And maybe uh, Renee will come back and do it in the open space tomorrow and then I can compare both and see, see how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah. It, was a, it would be good for her to do again. So Amos will session. offer his expert opinion. I don't know about expert. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Can can anybody help us with the game within the game? Give us a summary of yeah, Brian's session. Mike? Yeah, Brian, are you here? Yeah, Brian. Yeah. I, I didn't get to stay in the game within the game. I, I gave up my seat so someone else could participate. We appreciated that. We actually had some late entrants, and it kind of added a little variety to the game. So how did it go? Overall, I think it went really well. Um, we kind of pioneered a new technique, this idea of the, the meta hat, where we would go through a game, we'd, you know, we'd have someone facilitate, we'd have some observers, and then from time to time, we'd actually stop and kind of talk about how the game is going, how the facilitation, how different decisions about logistics, the way we framed it, um, are impacting kind of the experience that we're producing, kind of getting people to think about, um, you know, the game almost as a, as a performance, and uh, what type of experience we're producing, and if that's kind of creating the experience that we want or not. And what was the what, what do you think was the key takeaway for the people that were in that you had you had a what was it an hour or three hour session? It was about yeah, almost yeah. three hours. 
Probably seemed like an eternity for those poor guys. No, I can't imagine. <laughs> there was a snack in between. Yeah, yeah, we gave them a break. We, like, <laughs> let them out for a minute or two. Then we locked the door again. No, um, uh, you know, that's a good question, the key takeaway. I mean, I think the interesting thing was in some, we definitely had some people in there who were like, I've never done a game before, and I want to figure out how to do that. Um, so I'm hoping for them, they came away with a little confidence and, and a little bit of a framework that they could use to do that successfully. But then we also had some people who, I mean, honestly have more experience than I do. Um, and I think that added an interesting element. And I guess I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping that they took away a different level of awareness. And, um, I suspect there's at least one or two consultants who are going to make meta crowns that they're going to use in, in their session. So that's probably the, that if you see those, no, that was me. That, that's my contribution for the year. And I think I'm, I'm done. I'm good. That's, well, the, and, that's and, the best compliment anyone can give you, right? Indeed. Yes. But speaking of contributions, we should, we all need to give Brian a round of applause, right? Because, because Brian, you got, you got this whole thing started six years ago. So, so we, we, we are, we are all here because of Brian's leadership. And, um, and again, being a, a thought leader out there to have a gathering where we could all come together and share ideas and, and really grow this. So thank you. Well, thank you. I, there's several people who probably deserve more credit than me, um, both in helping kind of get it going and carry it. Cause I mean, I have to admit, I think it's been at least three years since I played an active role. So it's very heartening to see people beyond me kind of own it and, and, and really take it in some directions. I probably never would have, but see that work out really well. So, so I can't, I can't take all the credit, but uh, I certainly do appreciate it. Well, thank you again. So, so awesome. I, I want to go back to your session though, here for a second. You said that there were some people in there that probably have more experience than you. So as a presenter, what, what is your biggest takeaway from your session? You know, I think my biggest takeaway uh, was actually that, and maybe this is kind of the uniqueness of this conference, um, that idea of adding the meta hat and saying, let's step out of the process is actually probably something I never would have thought to try outside of something like Agile Games. And um, I think Nancy uh, Van Schoendewart deserves credit because she's like, well, you ever use that, you know, when you're actually working with a team? Um, I never would have even thought to kind of felt like something I could only do here. But now as I'm thinking about it, um, it actually could be a really powerful kind of authentic way to, you know, be vulnerable in front of a team and show that like, now we're, 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 we're in this together and we're going to kind of co-design an experience and let's talk about it. So I think kind of that, that big takeaway might be thinking about if this is actually something that I could use with a client and not just a bunch of kind of friendly consultants and like-minded people at a conference. Fantastic. Uh, I think that if you do try that with, with the team, um, maybe it would be really neat if you could record it and then share that with people so that we can all kind of see how that works out. All right. If I, if I get the guts to do it, I'll, I'll record it for you. All right. So everybody, we got to clap to get as loud as we can to get Brian to try this out. Come on, Brian. Look, they all want to hear it. All right. Well, right, thanks, the year is young. <laughs> Thank you, Brian Bazzuto. Uh, those sessions ran for like three hours today, but the uh, the Sudoku ban was only 90 minutes, and then there was a second session in that time slot. The last one to talk about. The last yes, one. Yes, the last today. one. That was done by... I don't, uh, oh, I, just when we said done. we could pronounce names. John, woo! I think and we I should blew on an easy name. Yeah, we should purposely from now on just butcher every name so that we can be equivalent across the road. Okay, Amish. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you. Do not concur. <laughs> Adam Weisbart, he gave that last presentation, that last session of the day, and it was called Build Your Own Scrum Retrospective Cookies, and we got to eat them Ooh. at the end. Oh, no. And Agile Anti-Pattern Cards. Cheryl, I think I picked the wrong session. I should have had some cookies. Were there cookies, because, Cheryl? <laughs> <laughs> because if you haven't listened to this Agile Life, we all know Amos loves Scrum. Now, Jason Tice, wait a second. But Don't put that away. George Costanza Wallet. Up. Yes, we'll George Costanza George Wallet. George Costanza Giant Wallet. He's got his It's awesome, dude. In there. You see, here's why I have a giant wallet. See, look, I've got a Stop Work Authority card in my wallet. You want to have one of those? No? Okay, anyways. Different conversation. <laughs> That's next, next, next episode. So. Adam's session was... Very good. So he had us build our own scrum. I went to that session. He gave us uh, scissors, which was dangerous for him in general to give us all scissors because somebody threw a, uh, I know the guy too. I, he was over there. He threw a glue stick at Adam at one point, <laughs> but Adam said it was better than tomatoes. Well, and, and so what I love he did for this scrum thing, because I, I actually do, I do workshops. And one thing I like to do, it's an activity that's pretty common, is have people draw a picture of their process, like however they're working. And sometimes if someone's a beginner, they're like, well, I don't know what to do with it. So what, what he did was, was really awesome. He, he gives you like a canvas that you have to cut up all the little, the little icons of all the things in scrum. And then you arrange them accordingly. And it's, it was great. I was probably going to borrow that I, one. So I forgot I, you were in that session. You yes. abandoned me. Yeah, table. well, no, I wanted to go meet some other people since I, I talk to you all the time. I'm actually, in listening to you guys, starting to feel like I, I didn't miss out on eating those cookies because you said you made cookies and the only thing you've talked about is paper and glue sticks. Well, no, so I it, really it don't was like a three, it, Amos, it was a three and one. It was like, woo. So so the first thing we did was this, this build your own scrum, which is a great way to either, um, Adam said you, you could use it to teach people scrum. You could use it to assess a team by saying, okay, here's all the elements of scrum. Show me as a coach how you're using them. So almost as a way to kind of start a team assessment. And then he even shared a great story where he's used it to interview coaches and scrum masters, where you, you have someone come in and you say, hey, well, why don't you take these things here and cut them up and I'll give you like 10 to 12 minutes and go ahead and show me what scrum is. And then he goes away and he comes back and they have a conversation about it. And he said that it's interesting because since you're working and the, the person or the candidate has to work through that process, it reveals things about their behavior, which is probably very indicative. So someone who may know all the right answers to say about being a scrum master or a coach, but then you give them a work sample to do and you talk about it, maybe you find out that they they promote this idea of command and control leadership, you know, and the, that that could come out. So it, lots of ways to use that activity. It's available for download on Adam's website at weissbart.com. So you can go out and get all the materials to print it out and do the whole thing on your own. And you can order retrospective cookies out there, and you can order his anti-pattern cards. Yeah, so what were, they, what were these anti-pattern cards? They were... The anti-pattern anti cards, as I like to say. Anti. <laughs> they, they had all of these uh, bad things that happen on teams. Like when your VP comes in and says, you know, your velocity is not oh, as yeah, fast. Like when wanna... Jason comes in, the VP, and says, when, when Big Enterprise comes in and says... <laughs> Your velocity is not as fast as this other team. You need to speed up. The big up. enterprise shows up and says, go faster? Yes. Oh, that would never happen. How do you deal with that on a team? And you pull these out of the deck of cards, and then you can discuss them as a team. You can do a retrospective with those cards. Yeah, what was what was amazing, So because he, he gave us, the group I was in, he gave us four cards. One was like, you don't do QA within the sprint. I'm trying to remember now. Um, oh, Anti-pattern. Yeah. What was funny is all four, everyone in our group said that, oh, my gosh, we have all four of those. So like, and there was, so it was really cool because you could almost like put them on a table and say, Let, let's kind of slide them around. Which are our biggest pain points and use that to decide what problems to solve first. 
So it was really cool. And what I love, if you haven't seen Adam's little funny video, it's um, uh, you know, it's 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 the bad things Scrum Masters say. I'm not gonna say the bad word, but um, <laughs> see, he's got a very entertaining. Most of those um, that video is based upon those cards. So most of the most of the um, the uh. The, the what's on the cards, he actually, Adam kind of plays the role of the bad scrum master in that video, and he kind of talks about it. So you, you mean like, I noticed that you have a lot of things here in Whip. I think that you just need to add one or two more, and we'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> so so that was cool. And, and again, I, did you save your fortune, John? I didn't. Go ahead. So I so then he had these retrospective cookies, uh, which were fortune cookies, and, um, and everyone opened it up, and Kind of thing, you open it up and you talk about the questions and you can have a retro. So the one that I had out of my giant wallet was, um, what's our product vision? So first and foremost, in the retro, does the team even have a vision? Anyone ever been on a team that doesn't have a vision? I, I think we I just... A lot of hands went up there. Didn't, didn't we just do a podcast? Didn't you guys just do a, a podcast no about vision? that too? Yeah. yeah, so that's a real problem. <laughs> and then it says, as to have kind of a more action-oriented discussion, it says, can it be clearer? Yes or no? And then it says, how? So right there, you know, so if anything, everyone on your team gets one of these cookies, they all um, can read their fortune, and then, oh, dude, Amos, we should really talk about yours. That's the, that's the problem of the week. And so a great way to very quickly kind of get to an actionable discussion in a retro to get you to an outcome that you can focus on. So and it's good because they're third, they were created by a third party. So it's not you that wrote that down. Yeah, it's not like it was on my fortune cookie. Yes. Now we just have to discuss. Yeah, so the hippo didn't show up and say, "I think today we should talk about the product vision because I'm in charge." Right. What's great is that Adam uh, bakes every one of those cookies in his very own kitchen and then packages them up and ships them out. So if you order a whole bunch, you can keep him busy for a long time. Really, he's got a very uh, a lean process though that he goes through to make those. So it's it's very quick. I see. I'm not familiar with those sorts of processes. You'll have to explain them to me at some point. We'll we'll, we'll do that later. We'll talk off. We'll hand. do that later. But speaking but of later, beer. but here's the good news. So guess what? That was day one of Agile Games 2015, and we're not done yet because we got our open space tomorrow. So it's a two. This year, 2015, it's a two-day event. Next year's probably gonna be a little bit longer. Actually, in 2016, it'll be in April 2016. So um, so if you're listening to us, check that out. Um, uh, it's agilegamesnewengland.com is the website that will always have information about the upcoming conference. So. Check that out tomorrow. Um, it's May. We're going to have an open space. But before that, Llewellyn Falco is going to come and do a keynote. He's going to talk about strategy. And what he's going to be talking about is, imagine we change the strategy and the reasons for why we play games. Think about it. Instead of if we played games about winning, what if we played to learn? What if instead of trying to, you know, when we're playing and we're thinking about the rules, think about the rules that don't exist? Now think about that. Well, think about if you could play for an unexpected prize. He's gonna, he's gonna get us all fired up in the morning, and then we're gonna have this open space that we're gonna take all the great ideas we learned about today, and we're gonna see what we can do with them. So it should be a lot of fun. So um, my favorite thing about having a second day of this, outside of getting to hang out with these awesome people for another day, is that we have one more podcast that we can do about this, so we don't have to plan anything for later. I thought you were gonna say she got <laughs> to drink at the end of the day today. Ah, <laughs> oh, wonderful. All right. Well, that's all we have time for. Did I do all right? I, I made it through the whole thing. I didn't say any cuss words. That's what, oh, that's what how about let's give me. Amos a round of applause. Yes. Thank you, Amos. And Thank we would you. like to give a round of applause to all of the people here at Agile Games 2015 with Agile New England here in the Microsoft Nerd. Thank you all for being here, and thank you for coming to the conference. We invite you to visit us at our home on the web, thisagilelife.com. Check out all of our past show notes, and you can subscribe to 
the podcast and see all of our past episodes. And most importantly, send us feedback. So connect with us on Twitter or the website and let us know what we can do to have a better podcast, um, even if it's a live show to conference, and we'll see what we can do about that. Thanks for listening and keep living this Agile life. This Agile life is brought to you by a community of Agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.